District of Conservation is sponsored by CFACT. To learn more about our sponsor, head over to CFACT.org. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Welcome to District of Conservation. I'm your host, Gabriella Hoffman. This podcast offers a sober examination into all things hunting, fishing, shooting sports, energy, environment, and the public policy surrounding it. And this podcast also specializes in original interviews that you won't hear elsewhere. Here's what I have for you today. Republicans are dropping their support of the Return Act in wake of revelations that it doesn't safeguard Second Amendment rights. I'll also talk about Gordon Ramsay being harassed by vegans and vegetarians on TikTok and other social media platforms for posting about taunting lamb in preparation of making it, which is crazy. And then another interesting story that is from a few weeks ago about how Wolf attacks correlate to far-right politics, according to a German study, although more wolf-human interactions don't really correspond to that. I don't know how they made that connection, but we'll digest that today. And at the end of the show, I will reveal for you our special guest for tomorrow's episode on the podcast. You don't want to miss it. It's a return guest and actually one of our most popular guests ever. So stay tuned to find out who we're bringing on to the podcast. Thanks for listening today. Let's talk briefly about an update to the Return Act. If you need a primer on the Return Act, we have discussed at length here on the podcast, and I've also dedicated a column to this on the Return Act. And if you go back to episode 285, I explain what it is, why this is a very horrible piece of legislation, and how it actually does not safeguard Second Amendment rights, and also gives ammunition to animal rights advocates to deplete, or rather encourage the depletion of conservation funding why most in the gun industry and farms industry are opposed to changes to Pittman-Robertson in this manner. So go back to episode 285. I have it attached in the show notes if you're needing a primer. But more and more Republicans are dropping support of this. We haven't discussed who has dropped support since I first covered this topic, but a lot have, quite a handful have dropped support or withdrawn support, rather. They originally had 56 co-sponsors. And now seven supporters have withdrawn. So here's a list of who has withdrawn from supporting the Return Act thus far. You have Representative John Rutherford of Florida. You have Representative Mark Wayne Mullen of Oklahoma, also a runoff contestant in the Oklahoma Senate. He may likely be the U.S. Senator from Oklahoma soon. You have Representative Austin Scott of Georgia. Uh, who is actually a sponsor of modernizing the Pittman-Robertson Act. So it was very weird of him to support this in the first place. Probably got a lot of misinformation about the bill. Good he reconsidered. There's also Representative Buddy Carter, also of Georgia. Then you had Glenn Grothman of Wisconsin. He was uh, withdrawing on July 26th last week. And then you have this morning, Representative Scott DeJarlis, of Tennessee, if I'm pronouncing his name correctly, and also Trent Kelly of Mississippi. So that brings it to seven. Bill's sponsor has intentionally misled his fellow Republicans about what Pittman-Robertson does. And I think something I honed in on the previous episode and in my writing too, if you get rid of Pittman-Robertson and restructure it as this member has proposed, Andrew Clyde, you're also essentially getting rid of public target ranges. And if you're just learning how to shoot, you're new to the firearms industry, you want to learn how to shoot, and you can't afford going to a private range because private ranges are getting quite expensive and they're very crowded in the summer. So if you're in a state that has a lot of public land offerings or public shooting offerings in largely western states or even in southern states, wherever, 
These public ranges are wonderful. Are they perfect? No, but they're great for people to learn how to do shooting. And you're going to eat at a lot of the funding that goes towards this, in addition to all the other critical facets of Pittman-Robertson. So that's an update I wanted to share with you. Again, I have included background on the bill, why I'm opposed to it, and then we now have this update. And like I said, we have expectations of more Republicans dropping support. And I've heard from several insiders in Congress who've told me when Republicans take over, they will not take up this bill. It will not be voted on seriously, maybe heard in committee, but it'll die in committee, if anything, because it completely distracts from where Republicans are hoping to focus on. I was reading an article this morning about Gordon Ramsay, and certainly he's a boisterous British chef. I think people have all different kinds of opinions on him. Although I've taken a liking to his show, his Unchartered show, because he's going to different countries, he's doing what the locals do, and he's done a lot of fishing and hunting, actually. Not too much success in many instances, but he is fishing and hunting. He's trying to locally source and go to the heart of different protein, and he doesn't show hunting in a negative light, doesn't show fishing in a negative light. And so I appreciate where he comes from as a chef in this. And so he posted a video on TikTok, and I think it's also on other social media platforms. And what is it? NBC is stating that they have revolted. They're revolted by Gordon Ramsay appearing to pick a lamb to slaughter. And he, in the video, he's joking as jumping into the pen of 10 lamb. And he's rubbing his fingers together and repeatedly calling them yummy which is nothing wrong. And then he says, I'm going to eat you and that they're really delicious. And then he points out one that he's going to use. And then he says later, following some of the backlash that no animals were cooked in the making of this video. And the lamb sauce was still not found in the making of this video, a reference to a 2016, 2006 meme derived from a scene of a show Hell's Kitchen in which he asked a contestant for lamb sauce. And I had commented that Reaction to this from TikTokers, and also TikTok, by the way, I don't recommend you use it because of the Chinese spyware concerns associated with the app. And also, they're one of the worst censors on social media. I think the worst censor. You can't post hunting or shooting sports content there without having your content restriction. A lot of social media users on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook love to spam report hunting content, cooking content, fishing content, even because they are very desensitized to where their food comes from. And they think it's very violent in nature to showcase how food is processed. I don't think you should show, let's say, an animal being slaughtered with blood. I think you can go about not doing that. You can talk about doing it, that you did it, and then show other aspects about field dressing and such. And Gordon Ramsay wasn't doing that, according to this report. Uh, but so many young people who are TikTok users and other social media users are far removed from where their food comes from. They don't know that the grocery store is just an intermediary. They don't know that. Meat is sourced from farms. They don't, they're not familiar with different processes because they are so urbanized and they're so removed from where their food is sourced from. So of course, that's why you're going to see backlash. But I think a lot of the backlash is being triggered by vegetarians and vegans who always have something to complain about. They're never satisfied. And they're looking to suppress any content that even gives any indication of, let's say, support for meat eating or support for farming or other practices associated with such commend Gordon Ramsay for obviously showcasing food in a real context, even though it's not really adjacent to hunting. But like I said, his, his show shows hunting and fishing in a very positive light and the necessity for both of those activities, also farming and ranching as well. So I hope he doesn't delete the video. 
and keeps it up there because it would be kind of sad if he did. But in social media news, I wanted you guys to be aware of that. You can read the story for yourself. But naturally, of course, anti-meat advocates are targeting even celebrity chefs like Gordon Ramsay because they are so angry about things that they shouldn't be angry about and don't know how to respect people with different opinions. A story I wanted to cover from a few weeks ago, it's an interesting correlation. I don't know how it's rooted in any fact, but it's an interesting correlation that they've been able to divide. But this is from Germany. And they say the reemergence of wolves to Germany has been accompanied by electoral gains for far-right parties or the equivalent of conservative parties, according to a new study. And the headline, this is from Vice, says scientists find link between wolf attacks and far-right politics. Scientists have presented a modern iteration of this ancient obsession in a new study that links the reemergence of wolves into Germany with the rise of electoral support for far-right politicians. They say that wolves once occupied an enormous range across North America and Eurasia, but human activities such as overhunting and habitat destruction caused their numbers to crash in recent centuries. Numerous nations, including the U.S. and Germany, have spent years helping wolves rebound in regions where they previously were exterminated, which has positive ripple effects on ecosystem, but has also resulted in wolves preying on livestock. Interesting admission. And this is from Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences. And they say that the results provide evidence that the reemergence of the wolf has been accompanied by electoral gains for far-right parties and show that far-right politicians frame the wolf as a threat to economic livelihoods. I can include links to the study. They say also to fight global warming and biodiversity loss, governments around the globe are implementing far-reaching conservation programs, including restoration of habitats and large-scale restoration, said one of the co-authors who is a assistant professor of international politics at Humboldt University of Berlin, adding that the effects of these actions can, quote, generate political backlash, end quote. And then they also make the claim that although the complexities of human-wildlife conflicts are increasingly recognized, evidence on the political repercussions is still scarce, the co-authors admitted. The growing success of far-right radical parties across Europe, which have an ambivalent or outraged negative stance towards conservation, makes this a particularly pressing issue, end quote. I don't see any correlation of that here in the States so much in terms of leading to the election of, let's say, so-called far-right. I don't like that term because then you're conflating alt-right with general mainstream conservatives. That's done deliberately. But if we were to see, let's say, the reintroduction of wolves correlating to conservatives here in America being elected, we would see that in Colorado. Maybe we'll see that in Colorado this fall with the midterm elections. I'm not sure. But Colorado, in, in this instance, was one of the most recent states to reintroduce wolves by ballot initiative, which is kind of unheard of because largely it's wildlife agencies that decide, not voters, how to reintroduce wolves. You see wolf, or wolf mitigation or wolf conservation efforts are largely determined by locals and states in different wildlife agencies. So you see different states, rather not by ballot initiative, deciding how to manage wolves. But if this study were to, let's say, have an application in the United States, we would see conservatives, so-called, being elected in states like Colorado where wolves were reintroduced and where more conflicts between wolves and humans are expected, or wolves and livestock are expected to grow. 
and they have a whole system in place there. We talked to Mia Anstein about that. I will link to it in the show notes of our previous episode about this initiative that passed actually very, very narrowly in Colorado, despite it leaning more blue. Um, they were still able to unfortunately pass it, and people are very skeptical of ballot wildlife conservation by ballot box. There are a lot of problems with that, and we'll see that with what happens in Colorado. And so I don't see a correlation between that here so much. We see people who tend to lean more Republican oppose wolf reintroduction efforts unless there is a, a let's say, very well thought out plan, also including a hunting management season in there. Um, if there's no management season included, a lot of people are naturally skeptical because um, gray wolves in the United States have been found to have recovered. They've met a certain threshold for recovery. They have been delisted. They were delisted under the Trump administration. But naturally, of course, Biden administration has said, nope, we have to put and reapply threatened and endangered protections back on the gray wolf. And there's a whole debate surrounding that that I can go into later. Uh, but we have talked about wolf reintroduction efforts. But until Colorado flips red, I don't know how this study can be applied in the United States so much. And if you were able to make it to the end of today's episode, I am pleased to announce that this week we are going to be sitting down with Fox News contributor and Town Hall News editor Katie Pavlich, a favorite of listeners. Her episode from a few years ago, I think it was 2020, her episode is episode 79. I'll link back to it if you want to listen to it, is our most downloaded episode ever. And she's going to come on to talk about her new Fox Nation series, Luxury Hunting Lodges of America. I got to binge watch the all four episodes recently, actually when I was in Colorado and had some free time. And I loved seeing the program. She is really keen on conservation. She doesn't cover it as often as she'd like, I think. And so to see this show kind of get her in her element, because she loves to hunt. She's been hunting since she was 10. I think it's very exciting for viewers to see that side of her. And, and she often posts about things on social media, but to see her do more programming, I think is something she likes doing. And I think fans of hers will enjoy doing and watching as well. So we're going to talk about that. We'll talk about current events and I will get that for you guys sometime in the coming day or so, but we're really excited to have her. Thanks for listening to District of Conservation. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you haven't already, make sure you find us on your preferred podcast player. We largely circulate on Apple, Spotify, and countless others, but those are our two big podcast platforms you want to push make sure you're subscribed there especially on apple if you like the podcast a lot go leave us some reviews we'd be more than grateful to get some five-star reviews from you guys moreover we are on facebook instagram and twitter and a little bit on youtube we don't populate there but connect with us on social media find me personally on social media with blue check marks super easy to find and i would love to hear your feedback and know who you'd like to see on the podcast Thanks for listening to District of Conservation. Stay tuned for the next episode.